0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I have a special guest here on today, Kelly Nielsen. How are you doing, Kelly?
1: I'm good. Thanks.
0: Kelly is known as a grief guru because she has gone through some very difficult times in her life. And she has been motivated by these times in her life to inspire others on how to overcome these grief moments. So Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about how you overcame these things and what you're doing now today to help others?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the reason, you know, I do the work that I do is that I've encountered grief in significant fashion and actually grief initially had its way with me and that's those are the folks I so I understand that it's a very real thing. And in my opinion we don't have a lot of tools and help and and most importantly examples of people who have overcome grief in our living you know amazing joy-filled lives and so we need more of those examples and so in my own personal story you know i came to faith about 12 years ago at age 30 um, and when i was 39 years old in 2017 my mom committed suicide and it devastated you know my family it shook me to my core it, it had me it was a crisis of my life and a crisis of my faith you know i i really honestly didn't know if god was even real i was like how can this happen i just i questioned everything to my very core and i did go looking for help in in the church And in support groups and in a lot of places, and because of the nature of my mom's passing and all the details around it, I just found that a lot of people couldn't relate. A lot of people were very, it was kind of too big for a lot of people. And I didn't find a lot of folks who had help or support. And so um, the way I describe it is grief kind of had its way with me. For about seven or eight months, I just was existing is the only way to describe it. Um, I was going through the motions of life, but I definitely was not living. I was um, just filled with sorrow. I remember the sadness and sorrow being so heavy that I thought it was going to swallow me whole. Like I remember laying in bed at night and feeling the physical weight of it and just expecting my bed to open up and swallow me. And I feel like people don't talk about that. You know, nobody... Well, A, we don't talk about grief in general, right? It's like this taboo subject that people don't want to talk about. And we definitely don't talk about the physicality of grief and all the things that come with grief and grieving. And so I was blindsided and disoriented and I felt... Um, ill-prepared and ill-equipped to deal with the loss of my mom. Um, And like, I I was in a ministry position and a leadership position. I actually had to step down because I was not in the frame of mind to be leading anybody. It really um, was devastating to my life. And thankfully for me, uh, through a chance or God encounter, you know, we don't believe in chance encounters, but a God encounter, I, I heard a speaker um, who had survived the Rwandan genocide? Share at a conference, and she shared her horrific story of just massacre in her country and being hid away in a bathroom for 90 days with eight other women and surviving that. But, but not only just how to even physically survive that ordeal, but then the process that the Lord took her through to heal her and, and help her walk through forgiveness and healing and restoration. And I saw for the first time since my mom had passed, I saw someone who, who was walking in joy, who, who had what I wanted. And so it broke hopelessness off of me. You know, I, I saw someone who was healed and whole. And so I decided in that moment, um, that I would figure it out. If it took me the rest of my life, if she could do it, I could do it. If God would do it for her, he'll do it for me. He's no respecter of persons. And so I just sought the Lord. I got in the word. I got, you know, I started learning about neurology and how our bodies work and all the different ways that grief affect us. And I started just paying attention and taking notes. You know, I made myself my own test case of what, what was helpful. What was not helpful. I mean, everything, from the food i ate the music i listened to everything and i began to start to learn how to recover from grief um and i'm thankful that i did you know god was very much a part of that process and giving me steps and tools along the way and and uh i started to feel back to myself again and thankfully you know i did when i did because a year and a half after my mom passed away my son died of a drug overdose. And, uh, this time grief came in and obviously any parent who's lost a child, that's, it's horrendous. You know, the pain wasn't any less. Uh, but this time I had tools in place. I had developed some muscles and skills that I used. And so my, my morning grieving process was like night and day different. And that's when I realized this needs to be shared. These are skills that are available that can be learned. These, there are, there are things that can help you grieve well And there are things that can hurt you or cause you to stay stuck. And I really feel um, mandated almost to share this with people, to let them know that they don't have to, just because you go through trauma or experience significant loss, your life doesn't have to be over. You can reclaim your life. You can walk in healing. You can still enjoy your life. You still can expect good things. All of these things are available to you. And so that's what I've been doing um, ever since Um, my, my son passed away. July 8th of 2018, Um, so ever since then, I've been sharing his story and this story and helping equip people um, to learn how to recover and just love their life again.
0: Yeah, well, it's very remarkable the things that you're saying with the things that have happened to you. We don't see a lot of people have this joy with the events that have gone on in your life, and I think something that you have said that really speaks to a lot of us is there is this example from that lady from rwanda that really helped you see that there is light at the end of the tunnel and i think that's exactly what you're doing for a lot of people is you're showing people that i've had some very very difficult times that there is light at the end of the tunnel just like this lady from rwanda and you and dr darlene who i had on my podcast last week
1: mm-hmm. have really
0: came from a perspective that really relates to us and really helps us and something i want to dig into a little bit here is you said that you know your son is in heaven Quentin and I know people that have had you know difficult passings with their children
1: how Mm -hmm. do you
0: know that Quentin is in heaven
1: for a lot of reasons Quentin um Quentin knew the Lord he actually had a very close relationship with the Lord so Quentin um received salvation and was baptized and you know was active in his church he went on mission trips I mean he he actually had a couple open visions from the Lord. Um, he had a very close relationship with the Lord so much so that he was, you know, cause he battled addiction, right. And he wanted so badly to be able to overcome addiction and he would wrestle with it and he would wrestle with the Lord. And so I just know, I know that I know that I know, you know, based on my conversations with him and the way he would talk about the Lord and the way we would talk about the Lord and the word together, you know, that. Um, that he had received him as his Lord and savior. And that actually, I haven't shared this story in a long time, like, uh, two weeks before he died, he was working as a PCA, a personal care attendant in like a group home. And he had asked permission to bring the the guys in the home to a church service. So he brought like three or four guys, um, to a church service, um, a couple of weeks before he passed away. So, um, I have the assurance of that and I'm so thankful for that, um, I would ask, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like for parents who lose kids and and they don't have that peace of mind and that comfort. So I would just encourage them to bring that to the Lord and ask Holy spirit to give them what they need, which may or may not be the confirmation that they're in heaven or not, but that. That the Lord would meet them exactly where they're at and minister to their heart. You know, one of the things I coach people on is deciding what they want and what they need in order to move forward and live a full life. And one of the places you can get stuck is the want or need for answers. You know, if answers, be it whatever it was, if answers around the circumstances about how they passed, if answers around, you know, are they in heaven, are they not? If if that answer is something that's keeping you stuck. You really need to like contend with that and bring that to the Lord and ask him because you may need to lay down um, your need for answers in order to receive peace. You know, God's word promises us that God's word promises us the peace that surpasses all understanding. But it's been my experience that if you want to ask to receive that, you need to lay down your right for answers or justice or sympathy or some of the other things that we may feel entitled to when we've experienced loss. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the traps that um, people can get stuck in. And the only reason I know this is I got stuck (laughs) in every one of those traps. When my mom passed away, um, you know, there were a lot of circumstances around her death, a lot of questions, and I wanted answers and I wanted her name cleared and I wanted justice for the people that were involved. And I was, you know, I was this close to going to the media and just blowing the lid off this whole thing. You know, I was going to, Sue the hospital system and sue, you know, the county. And I had to get with the Lord and say, is this something that's good for me? Is this something that you're asking me to do? Is this a fight that you have called me to fight? Because we only have the resources that God calls us, you know, for the things he calls us for. If he hasn't called you to do something, he's not obligated to equip resource you for it. And so at the end of the day, I just realized God was not asking me to fight that fight. And I did not have the financial or emotional resources to take that on. So I laid that down. And that was a huge part of receiving peace and being able to move forward.
0: Well, thank you for that answer. I just really believe hearing you, how you answer that question really shows how much you've really allowed God's love to help you and empower you to overcome all these difficult things. I mean, to put it simply, the proof is really in the pudding, like you (laughs) truly know like yeah. what it takes and, and how to overcome these things. And it's, and it's clear in your answers. I find that very inspirational. And something I just wanna tackle a little bit here is you've been through some very difficult times that like you've discussed, but um, from your perspective, some people feel as if their grief isn't you know, bad enough to consider it grief. Is that a true thing or a misconception?
1: Well, I think it's a misconception in the sense that grief, I use kind of grief and adversity almost interchangeably, right? Like whenever my definition of grief is whenever you have an expectation that's up here and then your reality is down here, the gap between your expectation and what actually happens, that pocket is grief. And how you contend with that determines how efficiently you're going to move forward. So you could have grief and a lot of people right now, COVID and everything else, people are grieving We're grieving weddings. We're grieving, you know, that we can't go out and see people. We're grieving, you know, graduations and all these things. We're having to grapple with what we thought the way something was going to go. And then the sharp left that it took, you know, people who experience loss of limb or divorce or the ends of relationships. Those are all examples of grief, right? And just like with adversity, the biggest thing that you've tackled is the biggest thing that you've tackled. So it's all relative, you know, I, I laugh sometimes, I don't laugh, but like, when you see someone and they, they lose a pet, and they're just beside themselves. And I know pets are dear to people and and whatnot. But like, I have to remind myself, like, that might be the biggest loss that they've ever had to face. And so for them, you know, the biggest mountain that you've ever climbed is the biggest mountain you've ever climbed. Mm -hmm. So it is all relative. And so I think as people recognize what grief is, And if they start to apply and learn, you know, these skills and lessons that I'm talking about, you can start applying them and building those muscles with little things that you're grieving or little disappointments or a little whatever, and that's going to help prepare you that if and when, because I hate to break it to you, grief is going to come if you live to any substantial age in this world. Um, death is the only thing that's guaranteed to all of us. And so you are going to die and the people around you are going to die. And even saying that, I know that people that are listening right now are like cringing or turning the channel or whatever, because nobody it's for most people, it's their biggest fear, one of their biggest fears, and they just would rather not think about it. But I'm here to tell you that if you would face that and recognize it, and and not like in a morbid way prepare but just prepare yourself that like at some point you're going to have to navigate losing someone you love and the more you're prepared the easier it's going to go when it actually does happen so you might as well just accept it and um be ready or as ready as you can be
0: yeah and I think it's very interesting a few things that you just said um it's You know, from my perspective, the way I grew up, you know, you were never supposed to be afraid of anything, like it's very manly, you know, masculine. Right. But that fear of death is actually like the root of all fear. So you might as well take care of that one first. And the way we can take care of that is by knowing we have eternal life with Jesus. And as soon as you realize that, all your other fears just subside. And so I think it's really important for someone like you to be out there, um, telling people that it's okay to address this taboo subject. Right. And that's why it's so important to have a community that you have on the griefguru.com, your website. And so I mean, diving into that a little bit, how important it is to have a community that have people like you willing to talk about these taboo subjects.
1: Oh, it's so huge. Like we have a lot of um, room to grow as it relates to talking about grief and making society in general and friends and family comfortable with talking about grief but yeah your community and if you're the person who's grieving the per the place you choose to get support and the community surround yourself with is vital it is so vital and and i think i've shared these stories before you know i went to support groups and when i went to support groups uh You saw, I've met people who had the same pain, but they weren't getting over it. They were all stuck. They were showing up every week and regurgitating their story and rehashing their trauma. And what I've learned now and what Darlene teaches is neurologically, you're reconditioning yourself for trauma. Your brain actually doesn't know the difference between what's happening in real life and what you're imagining. So if you every week go and imagine the day of the loss and all the details around that, your brain is rehearsing that and your body is going to release the same cortisol and all of the, uh, you know, hormones that go along with trauma and you're re-traumatizing yourself. So it's very important that you, you do need community and support. You know, this is not a solo sport. You need, you need to be surrounded by people, but it's so vital that you're surrounded by people who are farther down the road than you, and are walking in a greater measure of victory, victory than you have. You know, you can't, you can't give what you don't have. And so that's one thing. That's actually step four of the process I work on with people is um, finding community and how to identify good community that's going to be helpful to you. If you're going to a group and no one there is walking in victory, you need to turn unapologetically turn around and walk out. I don't care if it's your church that's doing the group, you know. Same with who's leading the group and how much victory are they walking in? You cannot follow someone who doesn't have the breakthrough that you're trying to get. So most importantly is you need to find an example. And that's what hopefully I can be in some context for people is find people who have what you want and then get around them or get in their circle. And so that's what we have at, uh, on our website and in our community is a group of people who are all. They've all experienced loss, right? And a lot of it is very similar loss. But more importantly, they've all made the choice and decision that they are going to recover. And so they encourage people to that end, you know, Um, I always say grieving people don't need sympathy as much as they need encouragement, right? Because facing fear is hard and it's challenging. And what you need is courage to face it and get through it. And so you need people around you that are going to understand and support you when you have a tough day, but they're not going to let you stay stuck there. They're going to say, you can do this and we're here to help and come on, let's keep walking. Let's keep going. You know.
0: Yeah. Something I say is it takes a community to create courage. Like you said, it's not just a solo sport. Um, Something that I think is important to talk about as well, especially within this community is when is the right time to you know, dive into something like this or to dip your toe into something like this. when is the right time to try to overcome grief?
1: Yeah, I love that question. And the answer is, as soon as possible. You know, another thing I always like to say is that I'm like the physical therapy for people who are grieving, right? So imagine you have a significant accident or you break a bone, there is a time for support, there's a time to have just crutches and you just need support, but right, crutches and support carries the weight for you. Physical therapy is the thing that causes you to get back to life. And if you've ever been through a surgery, you'll, they'll tell you, they want you up out of the bed as soon as possible. Like they try to get you moving and using those muscles and using the ligaments and and putting the, the parts that you just hurt back into practice as soon as possible, because your, your recovery is going to be quicker and you're going to be stronger. Now, is it pleasant? No. You know, do you want to do it? No, but So I always tell people and I'm not, please don't hear any sort of shame or condemnation. It's a very personal journey for everyone. So only people know for themselves how long of a time they need for just that support and like, you know, resting a lot of people experience shock and you have to, you know, kind of get yourself out of that super intense, you know, beginning phase. Um, But as soon as you have your wits about you enough to say like, okay, it's time to get to work. Then you you need to seek out these help uh, helpful tools and support and, and things like that. And I do have a, like I have a one year um, grief timeline and kind of the different what you can sort of expect and what a lot of people's experiences are sort of the first couple of weeks, the first couple of days, first couple of weeks, first couple of months. You know, because it does change over time and your needs are going to be different over time. But I really do. I mean, it was within days of quitting passing that I was um, you know, contending to God for some things and getting some things in order. Um, Mm -hmm. because one of the gifts, if you'll allow yourself to receive it, when something like this happens is radical clarity. Like Mm -hmm. I have never in my life, like the days after Quentin died, just everything became crystal clear. Like I just knew what mattered and what didn't and you know, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And so I just seized that and started going forward.
0: Uh Yeah. And I think, you know, something I wanted to talk about as well is what if you're someone that had a traumatic event early in their life and they thought they've dealt with it, but maybe they haven't. And they're, you know, quite a few years older. Does Mm -hmm. this community still relate to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, we have grief is one of those things that if you don't deal with it, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to hang out, you know, and there's a lot of different ways that people think that they're dealing with grief they're not really dealing with it they're coping with it right so Mm -hmm. one of the ways people do that is to get really really busy and they just fill their calendar with so much stuff that they're moving so much that they they don't think or process it and so then life has its way and they find themselves sitting still you know and then all of it comes up because they finally stopped moving you know um So it is a little bit of an art and a science to know how to keep yourself moving, but also make room to process it. And yeah, I get folks that um, have lost people a long time ago and now it's coming up for them. They realize they never really processed through it um, as well as people who are kind of fresh going through it, you know, in the moment.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and so this next question, you could probably talk about it all day. In fact, you wrote about it in your book, but uh, you're not crazy, you're grieving, that's your book. your relationship with God, how has this helped you from the very beginning of it to the very end of it and how it has changed and evolved in certain moments?
1: Yeah. So, um, as I shared a little bit earlier, I was walking with the Lord. I mean, I didn't grow up with a Christian faith, so it's not something that has been with me since I was a small child. I came to faith at age 30 and actually had the honor and privilege of leading my mom to the Lord. It's one of the things that I'm most thankful to be able to participate in. Um, But I would have said, and I did say, in fact, before my mom died, you know, I love the Lord implicitly. I trust him with everything. I mean, I was working in ministry at, you know, faith-based nonprofits and doing fundraising and going on mission trips and doing all these things. Right. And, and I, um, I really thought that I had an unshakable faith. I thought that I trusted the Lord with everything. And then this happened. And it turns out I didn't, you know, I, my weakness was exposed, like my lack of faith was exposed. And that's why I encourage people, um, that we really, I understand Is it Paul that when he talks about your faith being tested, you know, why are you surprised when trials and perseverance and when things come, because our faith must be tested, we should actually encourage and welcome the test because it's impossible for you to know what kind of faith you're actually standing on until it's tested. You can think you can have a tire and it can look great and sound, but until you put that thing on a car and try to drive, you have no idea actually, if it works or not. And so. Um, I'm not happy for the manner in which my faith was tested, but I'm so thankful for the test because I realized I did not have um, as solid of faith as I thought. And I was very angry at God and um, didn't talk to him. I couldn't go to church. Couldn't open the word. I felt betrayed and bamboozled. And like this whole thing was just a hoax. And I had to wrestle with that. And And then when I did get around to talking to God, I kind of let him know what was up and that I would be, you know, like he had let me down, he had betrayed me. And so I'm gonna, you know, I told him I'm not going to tithe for a year and kind of dictated my terms to him. And he, he's such a gentleman. He never pushed, he never, he never scolded. He never, you know, he, he could have said, Oh, I'm God. Who are you to talk to me like that? He never did. He just waited and he was just there. And then When I finally did go to church and finally did, after being prompt, you know, give the tithe, he just, his peace just enveloped me and his love just surrounded me. And it was in that moment that he was exactly the same, you know, he was exactly the same God and Jesus that I had always known that I'd always experienced. The experience was exactly the same. And it was then that I was like, oh he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the same, whether my circumstances are good or bad. He's the same, whether I understand or not. He's the same, whether I, you know, I'm pitching a fit or not. Like he is unchanging. He is, he became in that moment, the only safe place for me to run, you know, with everything else that was so confusing and overwhelming. Like he became my sanctuary he became my refuge I I trust began to trust him above everything else in that moment and I'm so thankful for that because that is now the faith that I stand on and operate from that is the faith that when my son passed away I didn't you know I didn't I didn't have to come to him with all those questions and problems and whatever I just trusted him I just somehow I don't I still don't understand it I don't understand I do not understand why my mom and myself why why this happened this way But I do know that he's good. And I do know that he'll use it for good. And I do know that he's faithful. And I do know that he's never failed me. So even though it may not look that way, I know those things more than I know what I see with my naked eyes. And so those are the things that I lean on and draw from and have my being in. And that's the type of stuff that like, that's available to all of us, right? As believers, that's, that's the sauce, for lack of a better word, that we're supposed to be pulling from and dipping into and abiding in. And it defies logic and it defies, you know, what the world sees or would say. And that's available to all of us.
0: And, you know, that is so true. What you just said, it defies logic. The piece that you have that defies logic and like just the people that I know in the communities that I've been in. This type of stuff, unfortunately, seems to be apparent with, you know, trauma loss, like you said earlier, we're going to face some grief at some point in our life. So we'll never from a human perspective, understand it. But from a God perspective, we can have peace about it. And that's why I think what you're doing is so monumental, that we have somebody in a community, you know, partnered with other people like Dr. Darlene, that really combines science and faith to help us have joy. Like, it's incredible to me that you are even on this podcast saying some of the things that you're saying, because I know some people, you know, and again, there's no grief too small, but there's some people that take for granted what they have, because they're coming from a human understanding of what they have. Right. And so I think when, you know, we have this perspective that you have, it really shows us that God is greater than human understanding and the logic that we try to use to help us cope instead of overcoming. And so something that I do want to talk about is that word joy, something that yeah. you you know you truly believe in. you can have joy and grief and you just dive into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, well I think the first obstacle to receiving joy is the lie that you can't or shouldn't. You know, there's a whole lot of people, there's a whole thought process. I mean, there's so many lies floating around out there about grief that keep people stuck. One of a a huge one is you never recover. If I had a nickel for every person who said, well, you never get over it. You just learn to live with the pain. Well, is that what you want? Is that what you truly want to believe? Is that the experience you want to have? Because when you profess that, when you believe in your heart and profess in your mouth that you've just made it a reality for you. And the same thing is about joy. People feel like it's somehow wrong or not available to have joy in the midst of grief. And so they never tap into it. And joy is such a weapon. Joy is like an antidote for the grieving process. Nothing in my experience accelerates your progress more than joy. If you can, first of all, say, yep, I believe that I can have joy in the midst of this. And I now choose purpose and choose and intentionally inject joy into my day to combat against grief. It will, it'll move things at warp speed. And that's why I'm so... What I love about the community that we've created is that it's not just me, right? I have, because grief is holistic and it hits you from every side and you have to address every side in order to effectively combat it. And so we have Dr. Darlene talking about the brain science, but we also have this amazing, hilarious comedian and improv coach, um, Sean Hancock, who talks about joy and play and the power of that and gives us very simple, fun, playful things to do and interject into our day to combat that like heavy, heavy feeling and the sorrow. And it's my favorite thing because people actually, you'd be surprised people get offended. People mm-hmm. are offended by the truth, right? And so yeah. they get a, Even the idea of me saying, I've had people get offended at me because I dare to say that you can recover from grief. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people are so busy defending their hurt and brokenness. They're so busy justifying how their hurt is bigger, or how their brokenness is somehow, you know, worse than somebody else's, and they have the right to be this broken person, and we should all tiptoe around them for the rest of our lives, like, that's kind of our culture, that's the way our culture deals with it, right, and so when you come in and say, no, you're, you're choosing that, honestly, you're choosing that, and you can choose to be better, it's offensive to folks, so.
0: Yeah, I think part of the reason for that, like you said, is, you know, people want to defend their actions, and so they use this as you know a way to defend. You know, maybe not necessarily overcoming this difficult task. Um, so I think when you present a different side of that, it really affects them, and we see that in the world a lot, in many cases, and in, in, in many forms. And so I think your community, your uh, you know your community with comedian, really brings this opposite, we call it cognitive dissonance, but this opposite belief that you can have joy and grief that really, you know, hurts the mindset of I have to stay in this mode. Right. I think it's amazing that you have this community that has, you know, all these aspects that really help people and show people that, Hey, again, you know, was this difficult? Yes. Does it absolutely suck? Yes. But life doesn't have to suck anymore. Like life, we can use things for us. And that's why I think it's so amazing when the Bible says our greatest weaknesses, God will take them and make them our greatest strengths. And I really see that in your testimony, which I think is unbelievable.
1: Hmm. Well, thank you. And I, one of the things that I've learned through all of this is, is it's not all good or all bad. You know, I kind of view life and our experience as a symphony and it's the high notes and the low notes that give it its texture, that give it its like momentum and everything. And so we shouldn't ever just be striving for the high or pretending that the low doesn't happen, but they happen simultaneously a lot of times like i find at times like some of the most amazing things in my life are happening right at the same time as really awful things in my life are happening and it's that tension right it's the it's the delicate dance of not just pretending and it's all great and hiding the bad because that's Mm. not good right but the other extreme is letting the bad overshadow and mitigate the good and that's not good either so the thing is how can you be real and honest about what's hard and difficult in your life and at the same time celebrate and embrace what's good and amazing in your life and if you can do that like you're set like if you can do that you will find a balance to living and a peace and joy and, and, a, and a way to just go through that that's pretty solid so
0: yeah that's a uh, you know yeah what you just said was great because I found myself doing that. Like I never wanted to be sad or depressed because then that main, like I was weak or something like, or, you know, I wasn't happy, right?
1: Right. But
0: it's weird when you actually just allow yourself to address it in the right way with grace, how much, you know, finding the answers in those moments really do propel you, like you said, to have this balance to life, this even keel. Um, A couple of things that I just want to ask is what like for me writing is something that just has made my world you know so much better is there something like writing for you that's really helped you um you know find balance in life
1: yeah probably um my morning routine is pretty unshakable i can't i do not pass go without my morning routine at this point and and what the lord is teaching me actually in this season right now is the power of daily habits and the power of consistency. There really is a compounding effect when you do things every day. It can be the smallest thing, but if a a positive habit that you do every day is going to be really powerful in your life. The same with like minimizing or reducing a negative daily habit, right? So for me, I spend the first one to two hours of my day journaling and in prayer and in the word and I'm usually always reading three to four other books I find that when I start my day that way and give myself time to set my mind right and my motivations right the rest of the day works itself out but the days and I do do it sometimes the days where I have a really early meeting and I just hop out of bed and run into my day like it is not good for anybody and so I just for me that's something that is non-negotiable now and something that has been just really changing you know and I the newest one is I now uh, I've always worked out I've worked out usually like three to five times a week or whatever but it's always been at least three times it's been negotiable debatable and now I I work out every day and what that has done for my mental clarity and just knowing that I have that physical usually I do it over the lunch hour just I know have that workout coming up that has done uh, huge things for me as well
0: yeah, and it just builds confidence, you know. Like, especially if you start small and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna do this, and then you do it. Well, that gives you more confidence to do it the next day, maybe a little bit more. And so, is there? I don't know. you know, we kind of talked about the sauce, the secret sauce, a little bit. But when building, you know, a rhythm, I call them. Um, what's something that really helps you? Because I see, especially um, in my life, if I don't do it, I really condemn myself. So. Is there something that helps you if you don't do it, um, get back to it in a, in a good way?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I've um, discovered is the books that I'm reading or not reading. Like whenever I find myself getting in a slump, every time it's, I can pinpoint that, oh, I'm not reading. If I'm not reading things that are challenging me and encouraging me, it's really easy to just get in like, veg out, not really do anything, you know, Um, our minds, it's just like a diet, right? You can't just either not eat anything or eat a bunch of junk and expect to feel great. You know, you have to have your vegetables and everything too. And so like, if I'm reading not only just the word of God, but, but books and from authors and coaches that challenge me and encourage me to do better, like that is usually the most surefire way to keep me on my path. That's why my morning routine is the morning routine that it is. And I did want to say something, as we're talking about this daily thing, that is a key for people who are grieving neurologically speaking. So a lot of the um, symptoms and things that you experience in grief and loss or adversity is, it's disorienting, and your your brain jumps from one emotional state to another, and it's very unsettling for your mind and your body. And one of the best antidotes or ways to help you get back to normal is as much structure as possible, right? So, when when we're grieving initially and we're in shock, a lot of people don't sleep, they don't eat, you know, everything gets thrown out of whack. So, as much as you can, get up at the same time every day, go to bed at the same time every day. Try to you know eat. least a couple of meals and, and the more you can do that at the same time you're calming your body down you're giving your body a pattern and you're giving your brain a pattern to cling on to so if you're feeling like the world is upside down you have nothing to hold on to start giving yourself structure and that'll be very calming um to your brain and body, and then that you'll find that your cognitive thinking and your ability to make decisions and your ability to even have the motivation to want to try to get better will come back. But when it first happens and you have that chaos, um, and you have no structure, which is what we tend to do, right? We tend to just lay around and sleep when we can, and you know, you have no appetite so you don't eat. So, um, those are some of the things I recommend for folks in the beginning is literally, however you need to do it, make a note card or whatever, but try to put um, structure back into your life in any kind of form. That'll be hugely helpful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I would like to uh, remind people of is you can find this community at the correct? Yes. And so, yeah, you, they
1: can-
0: you also have a foundation for Quentin. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so we started a nonprofit for Quentin called Q's Army, and that's specifically around overdose and the opioid epidemic. You know, all this talk about COVID, and I don't want to by any means minimize COVID, but overdoses are up 30% this year, 30%. So while we took a lot of precautions to try to save people's lives, a lot of the precautions that we took caused other things, um, to go up. So suicides are up, overdoses are up, domestic violence is up. There's a whole lot of things. There's a whole lot of people hurting in a whole lot of different ways. And so Q's Army is there to talk about overdose and the opioid epidemic to raise awareness. And then we try to help families who've lost loved ones to overdose and resource them um, with some of the grief guru, you know, tools and things um, so that they can recover.
0: Yeah, well, I'm really thankful that you started this foundation because I lost a friend to a fentanyl overdose mm. years back around this time uh, back then. So, yeah, it's, it's a real thing and it's, it's, it's extremely thing. unfortunate. And we need, you know, like I said, people like you and me and people that are listening to get involved in a community like the Grief Guru or a community like Healing in the Kingdom, just so we can be light in the darkness, so we can truly find ways that we were meant to help other people. And I think that's something that you're inspiring other people to do.
1: Well, that is what I'm most passionate about, right? Is that God, we all have a unique design and plan and purpose. God did not just make you for fun. Like he, He sewed into our heart purpose, right? We're all here for a purpose. And so many times we can let trauma or tragedy, take us out of the game. And nothing gets me going more than seeing a Christian who's out of the game. Like we need everybody. This is not a spectator sport. There's no sitting on the bench in order for us to do what we're supposed to do. We need every single person activated and engaged and walking in their purpose. And grief and loss is one of those things that takes people out of the game. So I'm here to like help you get back in the game. So if you're, if, you're, if you recognize that you're out of the game because you've been sideswiped by life, by the, you know things have come and have allowed you to get out of the game, then I would love to help you you know get you any tool that you need so that you can be bandaged up and made whole and we get you back out on the field because we need everybody on the field for sure.
0: Amen to that, Kelly. And so for people that are listening, I'll send a bunch of links to Kelly's website on the Esther group and on the podcast and in the YouTube channel. So there'll be no shortage of links to get to (laughs) Kelly's website and to be involved and to get over the things that are holding you back. Um, I want to thank you again, Kelly, for being here. Do you have any last words?
1: One last thing I just would love to tell people about is that we're doing a retreat here in the first weekend in May and actually Darlene, uh, Dr. Darlene is going to be a, a guest facilitator on that and a couple other actually um, our comedian um, Sean Hancock's going to come and do a session as well and we're doing it in person or virtually so it's going to be a Friday through Sunday kind of breakthrough weekend like if you're stuck or don't have a plan or don't know what the heck you will leave with a solid plan in place and um a solid community to cheer you on, on along the way and that's on the website griefguru.com under upcoming events so we are um doing early bird pricing here through the month of march so love Perfect. to see those spots filled
0: where uh, where is the retreat if you go in person
1: Yeah, so physically, it's here in my hometown, Bonita Springs, Florida. So we have an amazing house with a pool and all that kind of stuff. So folks that choose to come in person are going to soak up some sunshine and we'll go to the beach and then uh, folks can log in wherever and do the virtual option as well.
0: Well, Florida, this time of year sounds awesome, no matter the reason. So I'm sure you'll get quite a few people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Kelly.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.